The post-US CPI euphoria continues. The downward journey in the US dollar continues as well, helping the Aussie push higher. And that's despite a bigger-than-expected fall in China's exports and imports today. US producer prices also fell a little more than expected, so that's adding to the end-of-week optimism. And good news for the UK too. GDP hasn't fallen into negative territory. Maybe they will avoid a recession, although there's still plenty of time for that. It's Friday the 14th of July 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another fall in the US dollar is down a further 0.7% on the DXY. The index is now at 99.8, which is the lowest in more than a year. Against that, the Aussie dollar is up 1.6% to over 68.9 US cents. The pound is up 1%, 0.8% for the euro. And stocks higher again, 1.6% added to the NASDAQ, 0.8% for the S&P 500, and 0.2% for the Dow, with the DAX and the Euro stocks 50 closing up three quarters of 1%. The FTSE 100 up 0.3% as well. And bond yields falling further, down 10 basis points for 10-year treasuries, down to 3.76%. In Germany, France, the UK, and pretty much most of Europe, yields are down 9 or 10 basis points for 10 years. And Aussie 10-year yields, well, they fell 8 basis points yesterday, then another 8 basis points on futures overnight, taking them down to 3.97%, 3.85% for 3-year yields. And oil is higher again, up 1.8% for WTI, the same for Brent, which is now well over $81 a barrel. So we are certainly finishing the week on a high note. Let's talk more about that with NAB's Gavin Friend in London. I guess we can add to the uh, to the US uh, CPI, the, you know, the good news story of that. US PPI, which we've had since, because producer prices also showed a slightly bigger than expected fall month on month with a revision down in May as well. So that's just added to this positive sentiment that we are seeing, as I've just described, in equities, in bond yields, in, in the falling US dollar. There's uh, there's no mis- no mistaking the direction, is there? No, morning, Phil, there isn't. Um, yeah, so, I mean, softer, friendlier uh, US data in terms of lower inflation, lower yields, a lower dollar, and that will help stocks. Uh, I mean, you know, after all, let's just take a step back after all that sort of hawkish rhetoric from central banks in the last few weeks and, you know, some of that resilience that we saw in, in, in some of the US economic numbers. Markets are, you know, they're undergoing something of a narrative shift. Um, you know, the 3% annual print, I think, in the, in the CPI number uh, 24 hours ago, the, the lower than forecast 4.8% print in the core. Uh, I think, and importantly, the sort of dialing back to 0.2% month on month core readings and a, what was it, a 0.15 on the core core, on the super core, which is the, you know, the, the, the sort of services ex housing. I mean, it's, it's delivered a jolt to markets. Um, and, you know, a reminder, if you like, that it's, it's not all one way and that the possibility that uh, inflation, at least in the US, may ease back in a sort of a less disruptive fashion and or, or that maybe this might be lining us up for or opening the door more to you know optimistically to think about a soft landing a soft economic landing i mean a caution that the size of the pullback in yields that we've seen i mean you think about two-year yields in the u.s down 25 basis points in two days moves i mean tw- 27 in the uk because they had risen more but we're down 17 in uh, australian three-year yields i mean it needs to be seen against the backdrop of the aggressive you know rise in yields that we saw 
in the last few weeks. No. But there is a. But it is, and as we said yesterday, it is just one result, isn't it? And then there are, you know, there'll be other data. Do we just ignore the other data? So, jobless claims, for example, uh, down on the week before and less than expected. So, two hundred thirty-seven thousand new initial claims last week. Uh, but we're just ignoring that, it seems, in in, in the face of this euphoria around well, inflation. We would, we would do. Yeah, yeah it's top trumps, mm. isn't it? It's uh, what comes in, what comes in, uh, that beats the other. And when you've got a narrative shift like that, markets, you know, tend to look through uh, other numbers which perhaps don't corroborate that. And in any way, there's a lot of noise, isn't there? We know in the jobless claims, we know they've tended to sort of try to trend a little bit higher. Okay, maybe this is pulling back a bit here from the 260s that we saw a few weeks ago to... 230,000 odd, but I think right now we're getting into that auto retooling season in the US, and so therefore yeah. it's very difficult for so we can't um, read too much sensible yeah, to come okay. out. The seasonal but, adjustments are hard. Well, to do, I guess so, my yeah. question was, yeah. what you yeah. know, what do we ignore now going forward? So let's well, here's another one then. So we get US export and import prices later on today. So what happens if they don't fall? I mean, they're expected to fall, but what happens if they no, don't fall not, as much? It's, it's, it's just not a significant in, in, enough uh, economic release. Mm. You know, the market is now, the market has now been set up to think about, we need to look at more core inflation numbers. Yeah. We need to see how the Fed, uh, how the Fed speaks about this and whether there's any change in views there. We need to see further softness in the labor market. You know, we've still got, um, you know, remember, non-farm payroll was a week ago. Uh, we saw that rise in average hourly earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have been temporary, but at 4.4%, uh, it's still too hot for the Fed. And that's why markets, they're looking at all this. There's a reassessment going on in yields, in the dollar. Equities like it, as I say. But markets haven't pulled back or withdrawn that July, end of July hike that they've got pretty much priced in because... They know the Fed, you know, wants to see more evidence. We saw Mary Daly from the San Francisco Fed on Thursday saying it's just too soon to know. And of course, that's obvious. It is too soon. Mm. You don't just jump on one numbers. They want to see this corroborated. Uh, and so we need to see a further a further line of data coming in in those kinds of yeah. in the kinds of ways that we've seen. And it won't it won't be smooth. It, it never is. So, you know, expect some turbulence. But the market senses a change in direction here. It's, it's, it's looking at the other hope. side. Yeah, absolutely, hope <laughs> is the thing. Just coming back to yeah. you know the you know to the PPI numbers, the producer price numbers. I mean, headline and core both rising by a tenth of a percentage point against the two tenths consensus. A lower revision, three months now of point one. Uh, on the month mm. for the core, uh, and for those worried about services, I mean, the core number c- encapsulates both. So, you know, it's 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 good news as we go, and um, um, yeah. I think um, one of the things we don't talk about too much, I think, is 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 the dollar, and uh, we've had yeah. a. You mentioned it in your opening in terms of falling below. 100 on the well, DXY. The yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, remember, there was the big sort of almost 11% downdraft in the dollar from late September, early October last year on the idea of, of, of Europe and China reopening and that the, the dollar was overvalued. And then we, we, hit that, uh, we hit that wobble where the dollar went back up again because 
early this year, the US went through a warm patch and we've really gone sideways since that point. So we're now breaking back down. We break back down through those lows that we saw earlier this year. Um, yeah. And it seems to be like just, the movies. We, when you look at the dollar on a sort of a multi-year basis, look at that DXY, you would say we're now tentatively moving into sort of a 90 to 100 range after seeing almost two years of excessively overvalued dollar. You know, and uh, yeah. that that period seems to, to the extent that these numbers continue now that we're seeing with the with the, with the inflation numbers and whatever, that that period is now over, and that's why I mean, look at the euro, uh, one twelve and a quarter. Uh, it was only three or four weeks ago we were saying 107, 108. You know, what happened to that? Yeah, well, look at, look at, um, look at the Aussie dollar. Well, you know, the think, Aussie dollar. Well, indeed, but I think it just reminds you that when you get, um, you know, we've seen, the, we've seen disappointment in China. It's, it's, not, it's not performing as people had thought earlier in the year. And in mm. Europe, it's caught a bit of a cold, you know, the forceful um, pass-through of the, of the tightening so far from the ECB. Um, but, it, it, you know, the narrative didn't really change there. And it just reminds you, when you get a move like this, all roads lead to the dollar. When when you get a shift in direction in the U.S. economy or the market senses that there's a shift, you forget about the fact that Europe is not performing particularly great or that China's got lots of work to do on the stimulus front. It's all now focused on the Fed, on the, 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 yeah. the, the, the extent of the slowdown that we're going to see here. Nobody's pricing in aggressive rate cuts yet and certainly the fed won't be thinking about that but that's the direction okay it's pausing so we're seeing that uh, in currency yeah, that's and, a, that's, and that's so what just, we're doing and, and that's why that's yeah. why we don't when we do this relative comparison of growth in, in, on the currency front when you get a move like this it, 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 the only thing people care about is the extent of the downturn in the u.s and what's the fed's reaction function you you put to one side for a minute you know, think thoughts about the ECB and Europe and, and, and mm, China. Yeah, well, we we certainly seen that in the Aussie dollar, haven't we? So, an oversized response, and we had, despite we had that, you know, China trade numbers showing, you know, much stronger than expected falls in exports and imports. So, yet more evidence of that slowdown, and yet the Aussie dollar is up way more than we've seen the the US dollar fall. This That's morning. because there's a broader move uh, against the dollar, mm. including the CNY, and you might say that therefore, you know, the Kiwi and the Aussie tend to move with that and they will always move you know opposite to the dollar on the china numbers you know let's just look at this so exports for june down 12.4 percent in dollar terms imports down 6.8 percent both weaker than forecast i mean it looks like it's, it's a reflection of weaker demand uh for chinese exports you look at the the the, the exports to the us down 24 percent. these are annualized numbers um, and, and I think if you think about what we've just said, that the, the U.S. is slowing, we've got aggressive uh, monetary tightening around the world. It acts with a lag. The rest of the world is slowing down. It will continue to slow down as we look through the rest of this year and next year. And so therefore, you know, when you've got Chinese consumers, consumers not spending, not borrowing, you know, we've seen in that in the ag aggregate financing numbers. Um, it suggests that you know that that, that um, policy action, uh, more stimulus is, is needed in China, and you know we're not we're not really seeing it to the to the extent that we want. But it's you know China's still going to grow at so whatever it is four and a half five and a half percent, and so it's not it's not it's not cataclysmic. You know, in terms of there's not a there's not there's not a significant reassessment of this. You know, and and uh, you know hope springs eternal. Markets remain optimistic that. The authorities in China will do this because 
well, why not? Why would you not do it? You might want to do it in a way where you don't create bubbles in property and those kind in a responsible way. And that's got to be good, isn't it? Um, you know, it's it's there's no inf- there's no inflation in China. There's deflation in producer prices, and so you know that's why markets are optimistic that it'll happen. Yeah. Well, the more you buy from them, the more you get their deflation. You'd, you'd, you'd sort of hope, wouldn't you? Or at least uh, sort of like you're moderating your inflation. But then, then Germany today released their China strategy, a 64-page document on how they're going to reduce their reliance on China and the exposure to Germans' businesses to uh, uh, to China. So, uh, you know, obviously learning something from the Russian gas experience. But decoupling from China would be a very long and slow process, it's wouldn't it? Tr- it's a strategic de- uh, decoupling. I mean, they, they, they sell so much kit to China, it, it won't be yeah, on a lot yeah, of the yeah. big-ticket stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's, so they've said something, isn't it? Look, the yeah. <laughs> so the uh, and you mentioned the Fed. I mean, j- just a bit of breaking news this morning: James Bullard stepped down from the St. Louis uh, f- uh, Fed to become a university dean. He's been there for thirty-three years, but he's not a voting member. Uh, so it's only his influence, and I suspect he's not going to be kept quiet. You know, sometimes it's interesting, isn't it, have these uh, former Fed speakers uh, saying what they really think. So, well, anyway, so yeah, as you say, he's going to academia. Um, mm. uh, so, per- say per- produce, so I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 it's not. We haven't heard the last of uh, of James Bullard. I don't think. No. Now, UK GDP for May, the three month average, it was expected to. Uh, uh, to turn negative, but it didn't. It's flatlined. So um, maybe Britain's not going to go into recession, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, down 0.1%, um, better than the forecast. Um, we're flat three months to May. Uh, the period in question included the King's coronation, of course, and you know, services output was better. But I think it, if you look at the numbers, it still looks like the coronation uh, was a net drag. Um on growth, um, unusually high temperatures, um, you know, which has all been nice for, for, for all of us, uh, given the, the very long winter that we had, that uh, knocked, you know, power output and uh, that, that didn't help growth um, uh, from that side of it. And then, um, you know, I, I guess a lull in public sector strikes. We've, you know, we've had these a lot. Uh, they've been very disruptive, but a lull there looks to have aided growth a little bit. Um, but, you know, where are we? We're just flatlining around zero. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not, uh, probably it, not going to grow. The office, you had the Office of Budget Responsibility saying, you know, you've got uh, a report out today saying, or yesterday saying, uh, more than 100% of GDP uh, is now government debt, or government debt is now more than 100% of GDP. And, and that is just going to grow unless uh, something changes. They say, you know, if it carried on the way it is to 2070, the trajectory is you'll be at 300%. So so that sounds like uh, more austerity for the UK, doesn't it? Which uh, didn't work out well for them over the well, last decade. The UK's in a it's in a it's in a tight spot, mm. doesn't it? You know, it can't um, heading into an election in probably a year's time, and um, yeah, yeah, where's growth going to come from? It's dif- it's difficult to see when you've got the jaws of um, higher. Well, uh, the, the, the thing the government can focus on, uh, and the Bank of England, of course, is getting inflation down and then uh, yields lower at some point. To reduce that debt burden, I mean, that, the, the financing cost will be something, but um, it's still going to it's going to mm. take time. Right, relatively quiet end to the week, and uh, nothing, I don't think, to dissuade us from uh, you know the optimism that we've seen from those CPI numbers. So, a sprinkling of European numbers today, including the balance of trade for the euro area, we get German wholesale prices, Swedish CPI, consumer confidence for Spain. Nothing there to influence markets, perhaps, but also from the US, the uh, Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey is out tomorrow morning, Aussie time, including, of course, inflation expectations. But I wonder how useful they're going to be this time, given that that CPI numbers come in less than expected. If you ask the same consumers today the same question 
they might come out with lower expectations than they have done in this survey, perhaps. Mm. Remember, uh, that's your observations are spot on, but uh, remember the, uh, the one-year uh, inflation expectations um, last month did dive a lot down to uh, down to 3.3%. I mean, they've come off very aggressively in the last couple of months. So, so <laughs> you you might turn that add, around add on its head news. and say these, these the, the the folk that are, that are filling in the surveys this have got foresight. They saw they saw what was coming earlier this week with the CPI. It's already well, there. Maybe. So uh, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, it's yeah. good. I'm feeling it's nice to go into the weekend with good news for once, isn't it? Uh, good to catch it up is. with you again, Gavin. We'll, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. Thanks. Bye. Actually, he's uh, probably sounding happy because he's away on holiday for a few weeks now, but we'll talk to him when he gets back. I, however, am back on Monday morning for another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have a great weekend. See you then. <laughs>